Welcome to the Lover's Lounge podcast, where we talk to experts and other guests on topics related to love, relationships, and sex. I am your host, Tina Love, and on this episode is conscious relationships, dating, and personal growth expert, Roy Biancalana. He is a first best-selling author, a certified relationship coach, and a spiritual teacher. His mission is working with individuals who desire attract or desire to attract rather a lasting conscious relationship Roy it is so good to have you on the show welcome oh it's great to be here thank you for having me yes 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 well I'm very excited uh because you know I've just been um, following you and looking at your website and uh, taking a look at your your latest book so it's really really interesting I'm hoping that we'll be able to shed some light on how people can develop personally and then attract the right people and have a successful relationship. So mm, yeah, sounds good to me. Looking forward to this discussion. But before we do, um, I'd like to, you know, let the audience get to know you a little bit. Um, you have a pretty remarkable background um, and a really unique story. So can you just share with everyone, you know, how, what led you to coaching people in relationships and being a best-selling author of three books. Yeah, you know, it is sort of a an interesting story about getting into coaching because it was never really something I intended to do or dreamed about doing. I never, you know, really thought that this would be the profession that I got into. I, I sort of got into it in kind of an odd way. and And what I mean by that is, you know, for most of my life, I have been fairly successful in my professional efforts, but I have been, you know, ridiculously unsuccessful in my personal life in terms of my relationships with women. So, you know, I had a 19-year marriage that turned into a, a platonic, co-parenting, brotherly, sisterly type of relationship. And, you know, that ended in divorce. And and then I just immediately rebounded into, you know, the opposite relationship. Now I look back on it. It's so stereotypical. It's so funny that, you know, you go from kind of a sexless relationship and you rebound into something that is pretty much based upon all sex. And so <laughs> I got into this next relationship where we were together two and a half years. We did get engaged. Yeah. Um. It, it was wonderful for me because for the first time in my life, I was, you know, I, I had a sex life. I had a woman who was interested in that with me. Yeah. But six months before the wedding, she broke up with me. Oh, gosh. And that absolutely destroyed me. Mm. Uh, I, I describe it in my books as like a, I went through a one year long midlife crisis. I mean, I. I was functional, but barely, right? I couldn't sleep. I had heart palpitations. Oh I was obsessively thinking about my ex-fiance, you know, and the relationship and rehashing it in my head. I was just a mess. Oh. And then the other funny thing that I did looking back, I mean, all the, I sometimes tell my clients, if you just, if you just <laughs> don't do the things I did, you, you would be fine. Right. Right. right? So, so I'm in all this pain, and of course, I didn't know how to deal with any of that stuff, so I just went online. I joined a bunch of dating online dating sites, and you know, I just started dating women online, and it was the only way I could think of 
to sort of distract me from the pain was to try to find the new woman, yeah, right? Yeah. And and so, of course, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Um, I thought I was actually available to these women I was meeting, but I really wasn't. I was, in a sense, I was using them to get over the last one. Mm. Um, I didn't really know it at the time, but I, I just... I wasn't really emotionally available and you can imagine the amount of drama that that created with these women that I were, I was meeting with online. So in the middle of all of that, um, you know, that pain and my own survival mechanisms, I guess you could say, a friend of mine actually suggested, Roy, maybe you should talk to someone about your love life. Um, And what was really interesting about the whole thing and again, this is something that looking back on it now, it, it was really funny for me, um, but it really is something that is true for many people, is in the midst of all the pain and the relationship breakdowns and the divorce and the, the ex-fiance and everything else that I was doing, I really thought that it was all the women's fault. Yeah. I, I really didn't think that I was responsible for any of it. I was like, oh, my ex-wife is this. Oh, my ex-fiance was this. And all the crazy women online. I mean, it never dawned on me that I was the common denominator in all of the pictures. Yeah. But, but so in the midst of this is when I hired a coach. And that was one of the first things that she challenged me to open up to, that maybe I had something to do with all of this maybe I had a blind spot or two or 10. (laughs) Maybe I had some childhood conditioning issues that were coming up in my relationships with women. Maybe I had, you know, these phony relationship personas. And so the, the first thing that I did that, that ended up moving me in a direction that changed my life is I stopped blaming all the other women and I started looking at myself as to what I was doing to create the nightmare that I was living. And that didn't mean the women didn't have any issues. It, it, just, it just meant that I was no longer focusing on them. And I was just simply looking to how I was responsible for setting these things up, for yeah. attracting these women, for creating these dynamics. Right. And, you know, as I say it now, it sounds pretty easy. But, you know, the ego in any of us does not like to look at itself. It doesn't like to take responsibility. It's actually quite fun to point the finger at everybody else and blame everybody for your life. And so, but by doing that, I opened myself up to discovering things that I didn't know I was doing. Right. When I started saying, okay, so what's going on with me? That's when I started to notice that. I had a particular relationship with my mother that was affecting my relationships with women wow. that I had taken on and become a certain, like I call it a relationship persona. I, I took on a way of being with women that was false and fear driven and was a part of it. And then I had some real blind spots in my, in my life and the way I communicated and the way I showed up and so forth. And so discovering all of that and, really becoming more self-aware, um, surfacing some of these things, it led to me eventually meeting and dating and falling in love with and marrying the woman that I'm with now, for now we're in our 13th year. Yeah. 
And so now I'm, I'm in a great relationship. And, and I met her, her pretty quickly after I spent about two years with my coach. And, you know, you know that two years in a coaching relationship is a long time, but I was yeah. pretty damn messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the reason I became a coach is after I came through this and I had learned so much and then I was able to attract a healthy, sustainable relationship, I recognized that that didn't happen to me because I was lucky or special or, you know, just the fortunate guy that it all turned out well for. Now, I realized that I asked myself a certain set of questions and I looked in certain places in my own life and I recognized that it was, you know, completely transferable, that if other people that were having relationship difficulties asked themselves the same questions and looked in the same places and did the same kind of work, that they could get the same results that I did. And so I became a coach because I wanted to do for other people what my coach did for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a real personal thing to me. Right. It's not a job. This is a like a calling. It's like, a mission, yeah. You know, it's a... Yes. It's, it's like I, I often joke that I'm like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You know, it's like awesome. my life was messed up, but man, I have found something here. I found something that you need to find too, right? And so that's why I'm a coach is yeah. I just want to simply take people down the same path I took yeah. because you really can end up with the same results that I got. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because I know you're you're a spiritual teacher and I've looked at some of your your books and you have uh -huh. a lot of you have some scripture in there which I always like to see uh -huh. and um uh -huh. when you were just speaking about you know what happened uh the 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 thought came to me or the the verse came to me what the enemy meant for harm god turned around and made it for good and mm -hmm. look at what you're doing it's for good even though you went through some stormy right. times you are now right using your testimony and the things right. that you've experienced and now you're helping other people. So that's, yeah. it's just awesome. Yeah, that's right. It's so true. If, if back in the day when my fiance took the ring off her finger and gave it back to me, if you'd have told me in that moment, <laughs> right. Roy, this is the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. I would have punched you in the face. Right. 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 You were pretty, I would, yeah. But it, it really turned out that way. Yeah. Sometimes our darkest moments, um, are what we need to go through to wake up, um, to make a change, to look at ourselves differently. And um, that's why it's called the dark night of the soul. I mean, there's, there's, there's such evidence throughout history of people going through difficult times and having that turn out to be a good thing, yes. even though in the moment, it didn't it feel, feel terrible. Like it. Oh, yes, yes. It doesn't right. feel good, but right. it's for your good. Um, you know, right. you say, uh, and I think I've heard you say this, that you were pretty broken, you know, after all this. I mean, just broken. Um, yeah. and, and then the other thing you, you brought up was that you were broken open. So what exactly yeah. did that mean? You went from being broken to broken open. Can you just share right. the significance of that and, and how that played a part then in, in your work with mm -hmm. the coach? Yeah. Right, right because those are two very different ideas. You know, being broken is just when you're just in pain, you know, yeah. when you, you're hurt, you're devastated. And very often people can be hurt and devastated because they've been lied to or cheated on or betrayed or just gone through a divorce or they're dumped or something. 
you can be broken, but you can end up being bitter about it. You can just see yourself as a victim and, and blame the other people, as, you know, make them the villains, and you can just spiral in your pain, okay? Right. Right. But the other way, what I, I might call being broken open, is that you still have the same pain, but the pain causes you to open up and to become curious about, you know, what can you learn from it? Mm-hmm. What was your part in it? You right. know, what did you do to sabotage yourself? Yeah. You know, what, right. uh, what beliefs or what childhood wounding or, you know what I mean? So it's like you're broken, but you're, you're, you're responding to the pain with an openness. Just like, I, I want to learn. I want to, I, I want to wake up from this. Yeah. I, I want this to help me grow as a person rather than spiral into further pain. And usually that just means you're going to repeat patterns. Right. When, you're, when you're broken and you're just bitter about it, you're just going to repeat the same pattern. But if, the, if, if when you get broken, it causes you to step back and stop blaming and look at yourself, well, then you have a chance that your pain could end up being in a weird way, the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. And again, that's another one of those things that the ego doesn't like that. The ego just wants to blame and all that kind of stuff. And so it sounds very easy to say, but if anybody listening to this is in the moment when they've been crushed and they've been hurt, it's so easy to say, yeah, but they hurt me. They cheated on me. They did this and they did that. It's difficult to recognize that yes maybe the other person did cheated but you know what can you learn from this yeah why did you choose them in the first place what what dynamics were in play like i I use an illustration in my book (laughs) to help people sort of get at this because when you're willing to take responsibility when you're just willing to be open to the possibility that you are creating your reality um that's when all the aha moments happen, right? When, when you are like, no, I'm right. The other person was the jackass and the, the other person was wrong. And that you're not open to learning anything because you already have it all figured out. But the minute you say, okay, what's my part in this? I don't see it, but I'm, I'm willing to take responsibility. Once you, once you kind of enter the world of curiosity rather than being right, that's when, that's when I think the universe gets us giving you downloads and insights. Yeah. And yeah. aha moments. And and so, that, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say that was your broke. That was your you know when you hit bottom and and you right. you're being down so low and then you're being broken open. Uh, right. You just didn't. You almost feel like you don't even have any other choice but to like okay, this is as low as I can go here. I mean, I, it's time yeah. for me to accept. You know anything else but what I've been doing you know that's how you know right. you've really hit you know bottom is that right. you're like okay I am just I surrender like I'm done right. I'm done you know doing things my right. way yeah that's great I think I think the rock bottom metaphor with say alcoholism or addiction is probably appropriate there's yeah there's a time in an addict's life where other people tell them they've got a problem but they don't see it right and then there's a time when they hit rock bottom and they're like oh I've got a problem, yes, and, exactly. which means now they're ready yep. to grow and to change. Yes. But I was referring to 
an illustration of like I think a relationship is like um it's like a stew, right? Mm-hmm. And so in making the stew, like the relationship is like a stew. It's like both people are putting ingredients in the stew. You're both making it together. You're making your relationship together. And sure, it might taste lousy, you know, but you recognize that, okay, the other person's putting the ingredients in. They've got their stuff and their junk. And, and, but I'm also putting stuff in the stew. And, and without my stuff, it would never taste like this. It would, the stew would never turn out like this. So however the relationship went, you know, whether there was infidelity or just lack of communication, lack of emotional support or, you know, just meanness or whatever it is, however it's gone, if you can recognize that you put ingredients in there yeah. that led to it going that way, then you begin to ask, okay, what ingredients did I put in the, in the stew? to make it start to taste this way <laughs> yeah. because you recognize if I didn't do that part, it wouldn't taste this way. Yeah. It would never have gotten here. Right? right. So sometimes you talk to people and they're like, Oh, I, I really knew that there was a problem in this relationship in the first couple of weeks, but I was lonely and, you know, and I just overlooked it and I kind of explained it away. And now here we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you hadn't done that, if you hadn't, been unable to handle your loneliness or you hadn't overlooked something or made excuses for something or if you hadn't done that if you'd have faced it right then and there well you would never have gotten to where you are right right and so that's some of the hard work because if you if you don't approach it that way you're simply going to attract another person and you're going to create the same stew because you're continuing to put the same ingredients in the stew so I hope that it makes some it sense. It does. It does. Yeah. It really, really does. And you know, I'm just curious, because um, I I've been, you know, where you where you are. You talk about your uh, experience with you know, being hurt and being broken, and and then, you know, making these changes. Um, and did you re- also have a point of forgiveness? I always ask this question for folks because it was so pivotal for me. Did you ever have a point of where you had to forgive yourself and forgive the other person? In oh, order absolutely. to move forward. Yeah. Right, right, right. One of the one of the biggest things that that I and, and my clients have to work on is their relationship to their past. Good. Yeah. Right. Because when the past is not something that just happened, when it's something that's sort of happening means your past is alive in you. And what I mean by that is when there is no mm-hmm. forgiveness, right? right? When there's still blame and bitterness and hatred towards yourself or towards somebody else. Yes. It's like, even though it happened five years ago, it's still happening right now. It's still alive in you. And so when the past is alive in you, it really does close your heart. It stands between you and, and a new person. Yes. Um, it, 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 it creates trust issues. Right. It, it just sabotages you, right? Right, right? So that is so important to be able to let go of the past. And that enters into a conversation about forgiveness. Yes. And so... Let me let me give you a long answer because I, this is this is so important. I do think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So so here is what I discovered when I worked with a coach. I discovered that my relationship with my mother was such that she provided for our physical needs in the family, but she was a kind of a harsh, demanding, um, kind of emotionally sort of distant person. Okay. 
And so I'm a little boy. And of course, my mother is like my first girlfriend. I mean, she's the first feminine influence in my life. And a little boy wants to be close to his mother. And what I learned is if if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy was, was the kind of thing in my family. So I learned that if I want attention and affection and I want to feel close to my mother, that I had to make my life be about making her life better. Like I had to be a good boy. Like I had to be fulfilling her agenda, wow. taking care of her in a way, you know, not upsetting her and doing things like that, and sort of sort of distancing myself from my own wants and my own needs and like mommy how you know what do you need you know and so when I was a good boy I call him good boy Roy when I was good boy Roy I felt some affection and responsiveness from my mother when I was more what I you know selfish I don't even call that such a you know I don't mean selfish in a bad way but when I was thinking about my own needs and what I wanted as a five or six or seven year old I felt she was cold. She was distant. She was, she didn't beat me or something, but I, I, I felt like I lost connection. Yeah. So right there, I learned unconsciously, of course, yep, yep. I learned, well, the way you get close to a woman is by being a good boy and taking care of her, right. making your life be about taking care of hers. Now you fast forward 40 years now, and I'm 45 years old and I'm finding myself in relationships with women who I would call them damsels in distress. Like they would be women with high powered careers, you know, very busy schedules, but they had kids from a former relationship and they had kids, they had a household to manage. They were running their businesses. They were stressed out. They were overwhelmed, you know, and here I come and I'm, I'm needing the affection and attention of a beautiful woman and the way I do it is by being good boy Roy. I call him Roy the Rescuer. Mm-hmm. Like I would sweep into these women's lives and say, oh, don't worry, baby. I, I'll raise your kids. I'll clean your house. I'll mow your lawn. I'll help them with homework. I'll do the laundry, right? Yeah. And, and all you got to do is, you know, thank me for the effort if you know what I mean. Right. Because right. I came out of a marriage that had no sex. Right. So, so I, there was this dynamic that was created unconsciously because of me and my mother where I showed up in the world as someone who, who was looking to find a woman he, that needed him to take care of her. Mm-hmm. Right. So I started attracting damsels in distress. So I was a rescuer and I kept attracting women who needed to be rescued. Right. Right. Okay? Now for a while I used to blame all these women, you know, like, Oh, how are you? Know, you take advantage of me. It's that right. But then when I saw that dynamic, because I didn't know this when it was happening, I didn't have this understanding of how my childhood was showing up. When I saw that this whole thing was coming from my warped view of how to relate with a woman, that I had to be a good boy and to take care of in order to get attention and affection, how could I blame her? In a sense, I needed a damsel in distress because that's the only kind of woman that I could rescue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like the rescuer goes with a damsel like cookies go with milk. They, they just go together. Mm-hmm. They need each other. Right? Right, right. So, so when I saw this whole thing, first of all, how could I blame myself? It's like, dude, you, you're, you're, you were just playing out your childhood script. 
So forgive yourself for, like Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Father, forgive them for they know know not what what they they do. do. Yeah. And and how can I blame the damsel in distress? I mean, she's just being herself. She's being her. But I actually required women like that because I couldn't be Roy the rescuer with any other type of woman. If I met a healthy woman and I started acting that way, she's like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) I'm not a victim. I'm a big girl. I can take care of my kids. Oh, I I want you to love me and be be a part of the family. But I was doing all this stuff out of fear. It was like, if I don't do this kind of stuff for you, you won't want me. Yeah. You'll cut me off. You won't have sex with me. You, you won't want to be in a relationship. So I was doing the Mr. Mom thing, not because it was the way I wanted to express love. It was because I was afraid if I wasn't that guy, right. she wouldn't want me. Yeah. So forgiveness happens when you just wake up to the whole thing. It's like, oh my God, right. Forgive yourself. You didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> right. And exactly. forgive her. She, she, you just needed her to you. be in your life that way. Exactly. So you can't really blame her. Right. And that is some deep work. It is. Of becoming self-aware. Oh, yes. And understanding where your patterns come from, That's why right. you might attract cheaters, why That's you attract right. people that are emotionally unavailable, why you attract addicts or people with anger issues. There's, there's something in it that you're a part of. Hmm. And if you don't get at it, you don't see it, you're just going to attract another person with anger issues because I kept attracting damsels in distress over and over again. Because when I would be dating and I met a woman who had her shit together, right. we had no chemistry. Right. Right. Because I couldn't, I couldn't do my thing for her. <laughs> right. She, she didn't need that. And so there was no connection. But if I met a woman who was overwhelmed and all this stuff, you're and, like, oh, I'm yes, she's like a magnet. Right. Yeah. Not, right. It's, it's, it's exactly it. We yeah. are two opposites that are attracted. That's what. That's what. Right? So there's healthier. There's healthy magnetic attraction, and then, and then there's, there's the unhealthy kind. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> right? And it's and interesting. That's what we have to discover. Yeah, it's interesting. You were able to, you know, it's good that coaching helped you to see all of that because, like you said, you know, when it was happening, you couldn't see it. And I think I've heard you say, like, it's hard to see your eye unless you have a mirror, you know. And right. I always say it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. I mean, you, 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 you're doing <laughs> good, it. Okay, yeah. you, you're doing right. it. You can't see right. it. But when you right. step out of it, and then you were in your coaching uh, you yeah. know, program uh, two right. years with her. Then you were yeah. able to start to see your patterns and start to see like what part you played. And that right. I can imagine that, uh, you know, that can be pretty hard. Some people don't like well, it, to do it. Uh, it takes a right. lot of courage to do. But um, yeah, right. it was shocking for me. Right. It was shocking because, first of all, I was still blaming my ex-fiance and the other women that I felt good and righteous about that. And then when I started to see this, it was like, oh, my God. Yes. Like, right. So it kind of blew my own self-image as the God's gift to women um, <laughs> and said, no, you know, you, you, really. you're human. You're normal. You got some right. junk that you didn't even know was involved here. And it's really not your fault. And it's really not their fault. Yeah. You just, you just were unconsciously playing out patterns. Yeah. So that was very shocking. But it it was liberating. Yes. Because the minute I start to see that I'm in that kind of persona of being a rescuer, then yeah. when I shift out of that and, and ask myself, well, what would it mean to love a woman like as an authentic person 
not as a fear-driven person, like being in relationship and sort of setting aside my mommy issues and kind of growing past all of that, you know, that's when I can create something that's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And so, right, the pain of facing your junk just opens up the possibility of breaking free of what I call the relationship groundhog day syndrome, where you're living the same type of dynamic over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That brings right? me to, yeah. you know, because there's probably somebody out there listening uh, this that's had these similar experiences. I mean, they've had oh, heartbreak sure. and disappointment after disappointment, and they're right. just convinced that, you know, there's no good mates out there, you know. Right. And so, right. you know, what is it that, you would say to them, you know, basically that perhaps they get, need to pop up, probably get ready to do or need to do um, to make the change, you know? Right. It would be doing the kind of work that I just described with yeah. someone like me or someone who knows maybe you or maybe someone who knows how to do this kind of thing. Yeah. It's because you're, you're attracting certain patterns because you are moving with, I guess, I, I hate to use these words. It sounds so woo-woo. But you're sort of vibrating a certain kind of magnetic energy in the world. And as long as you're kind of magnetically in a, a you're, you're, it's like a, a radio station, when you're putting out a certain frequency, it appeals to yes, someone sir. who yeah. is interested in that frequency, mm -hmm. right? So the way you attract a healthier partner is not about where do I find a healthy person? No, no, no. It's changing your own frequency, and then you will automatically begin to magnetically attract a different kind of person. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the answer to it is by working on yourself. But most people just say, you know what, I want to find a guy who's emotionally available, or I want to find a guy who's trustworthy, or no, 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 I know you want that, but if it, it, it if you understand the law of attraction and what it really means, because it's so misused in the world, but what it means is like attracts like, meaning when I was being a rescuer, I'm going to attract the damsel. Right. They, they, they go together. Mm -hmm. So once you understand that, it's like, oh, forget about trying to find a different kind of guy or girl. Change yourself. Get out of that persona that is responsible for it in the first place. Right. Because the minute I started showing up and different. differently, and right, mm -hmm. then I I met a I met, I met different my wife, person. absolutely, who was a very very different person, yeah. just totally not a damsel, did not need to be rescued, would be turned off by me showing up with that because <laughs> I would be saying to her that she's incapable of leading her own life and right. needs some man to come along and. It'd be a turn off. Right. Yeah, it'd be a turn yeah, off. Yeah, it'd be a, exactly yeah. a turn off. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the answer is doing your own work, not thinking I just need to find a better partner. Right. And you know, it, it reminds me when you say doing your own work, it reminds me of you know, you've got the book, um, Relationship Boot Camp. Mm -hmm. And you talk about how in that book, you know, some of the main question, you know, people look at that book and they're they're ready to read it, but they're thinking, you know, the book's going to tell me, you know, how do I meet the right person or where do I go or, you know, how do I flirt with them or how do I find them, yeah. you know. Um, right. But you say that there's actually a more important question than that. Um, so can you kind of share uh, right. in relation to your relationship boot camp book? Yeah. 
There's yeah. a different question that we need to ask. And yeah. Tell us about it. I think I, I even say it in the book. It, I describe it as the biggest mistake we make in relationships. And it really goes along with what we've been saying. So, yes, in the book, it's called Relationship Boot Camp. So it's kind of a little play on words yeah. where instead fitness. of going to the gym and joining yeah. a fitness boot camp, you know, right. you can kind of do some work on yourself, right? So it's it's hardcore training for life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy, okay? So, and what I say in there is most people, they, when they're not in the relationship they want to be in, they're trying to attract a lasting, loving partnership. They put their attention on where, to, they put their attention on them right? Where do I find them? How do I approach them? Or how do I get them to approach me? Mm-hmm. Or what do I say to them? How do I flirt with them? You know, that kind of thing. And what I point out is that those are, those are important questions. They're just not the most important question. The most important question is, are you in relationship shape yeah. to the point where you are relationally fit enough to go the distance. And so I use a metaphor in the book that I, I just think is, I don't know how I thought of it. It just came to me. I think it's really, I think it's really brilliant. And your viewers can tell me <laughs> if they agree. But just imagine that the viewer listener here wants to run a triathlon. Okay. And imagine that I'm a triathlon coach, which I'm certainly not. Okay. But you come to me like, Roy, you've run triathlons. You've won the Ironman triathlon. Can, I want to be successful in a triathlon. Can you train me? Can you, can you coach me on how to be successful in a triathlon? I'm like, oh, great. Of course, I would love to. So we sit down and you start asking me questions about the day of the race. You say, you know, how do you survive in the water when it's just a frenzy? And how do you transition from the water to the bike or from the bike to the marathon? And you know, when do, you're out there all day. So how much do I eat? When do I eat? How much water should I drink? And then where should I speed up in the course to, to make up some ground? Where should I slow down to kind of pace myself? So you're asking me all these questions about the day of the race. And if I'm a good coach, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Okay, those are important questions. But you're missing the most important part here. Are you in shape to do all this? <laughs> That's a good question. Listen, if you're 50 pounds overweight, you're not going to make it 30 yards in the water. Right, right. You, know, you, you've got it. The most important question is: Are you fit? Are you capable of going two and a half miles in the water and 112 miles on a bike and then a full marathon back to back to back? Right. So, forget about the race strategy. You first got to get your butt in shape so that you can stand on the starting line and know that you can go the distance. Now, when you can go the distance, yes, let's have a talk about strategy because that's important. So the analogy is people come to me and they want to ask about race day. Where do I meet them? What do yeah. I say? Where yeah. do I, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. No. Back up, back up. Are you, right, are you in shape? Yeah. Have you done your work? You know, have you looked at your beliefs? Have you looked at your love stories, I call them? Have you let go of your past? You know, I actually identify seven muscles in my book, seven, you know, quotations, relationship muscles. They need to be strong if you're going to go the distance and make a healthy, sustainable relationship. Right. But most people don't focus on that. They just want to know, how do I meet someone? Right. But it's way more important because there's going to come a day. Here's, here's where I want to almost scare people. 
there's going to come a day where I don't know, it's God, the universe, it's luck, it's fate. You're going to, someone's going to stand right in front of you. Like I met my wife at a personal growth conference. I sat down next to her. That's how I met her. Right. It was random. Right. And you might meet someone that way. You might meet them online, but there's going to be a day where you're standing right in front of them. I call that your starting line. Okay. If you're not in shape, when that person is standing right in front of you, you're not going to go the distance. You're going to screw it up Yeah. because you're not in shape. Right. So the best thing you can do is get yourself in shape now Yeah. so that whenever the universe or God or whatever you want to call it decides, Presents all right, itself. here you yeah, go. Exactly. Here's your starting line. You bumped into them at the grocery store, at the post office, or you met them online or something. You'll be ready. You're ready to go. You're ready to function in the most healthy, conscious way. Right. And that's what I try to get across to people is get yourself in relationship shape. Very good. Yeah. Now, I like it. I, I like the seven relationship muscles. I want you to go back and, mm-hmm. you know, identify yeah. some of those. Um, I, I think the, just right off the bat, yeah. my favorite part sure. is when you talk about you know, those toxic thoughts, the things that we say in our head and the things that oh, we boy. think about. I know that's, yeah. that's one of those. So can you just kind of share some of that stuff and how it can yeah. rear up and destroy things right. if you don't have it right? Yeah. There's a couple of them that are just really juicy. So one of your inner relationships that need to be, you know, the muscle needs to be strong rather than flabby is your relationship to your mind, mm-hmm. the relationship to that voice in your head. Ooh. Here's what most people don't realize, that their mind is like their inner relationship coach. It's giving them advice all the time. And it is wrong almost always. Your mind is going to make assumptions on why people do what they do. And they don't text you right away. What does that mean? You know, they say something like this and your mind is going to interpret that. Mm -hmm. So like in my book, I walk through like I say that your, your, your mind can function like your inner secret service agent. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's looking around for people that have bad motives and bad intentions yeah. and it's trying to spot, you know, people that are going to hurt you and right. it's going to whisk you away to safety at the first sign of trouble. Like, Except ah, that your, your, yeah. your mind misreads things. It, right. it misinterprets things. Um, Right, your mind can function like as a psychic, start telling you, well, because they aren't close to their family, you know, they're not going to be a good partner. Or because I happen to know that they cheated in the past. Well, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All kinds of so stuff. your mind will start to predict what people are going to do. Oh, they're in AA. Oh, well, you know, they're going to fall off the wagon one day mm-hmm. because they always do. Right. Right, right. So this voice in your head is coaching you and it's wrong all the time. So it's, it's like getting financial advice from a financial advisor and every stock he tells you to buy just goes in the tank. Like, would you keep taking that person's advice? <laughs> right. Right. So that relationship with, with your, what, what Michael Singer, my favorite spiritual teacher, what he calls your inner roommate. That relationship with, with your mind, with that voice in your head, is a major one because it will sabotage your love life because it projects things on the people. It misinterprets people's motives. Um, yeah, it's just nuts. Yeah. Just, you have a, that, that voice in your head is neurotic, right? If you haven't noticed, 
that it talks to you and says bizarre things and oh, yeah. makes up stories about people and that's wrong all the time. Um, right. Another one is we mentioned this, your relationship to your past. Yeah. Right. It's like, if you've been cheated on a couple of times and if you haven't dealt with that, well then the next time somebody walks up to you, you're going to be guarded. You're going to be suspicious. You're going to have a wall around you to protect yourself, right? When you've been hurt, when you're, when your body gets cut, it creates a stab, right? It's covering the wound to protect it, right? Well, what happens if we don't know how to deal with our past is we get like a stab or a protective shell around our heart. We put a wall up and the wall is a wall of, you know, I don't trust you. I'm guarding. I'm being suspicious. I, right. And so that really impacts your ability because the sexiest thing you can have, especially as a woman, is this open, playful, vulnerable heart, right? You're not stupid. You're not a pushover. You have boundaries, but you're meeting life with arms wide open. You're meeting men and stuff with a, with a playful, vulnerable heart. Like, come play with me. Come dance with me. If you're an idiot, I'm going to send you down the road. But my heart is open to you from the beginning. You don't have to prove yourself to me. You don't have to make up for the sins of all the guys that have hurt me in the past. Right? But when your past is alive, you're going to project that onto, onto a new guy. Yeah. And he's going to be paying for yeah. those sins. Yeah. And if he's a good man, he's just not going to want to pay for that. It's like, I don't know what's going on here, but. I'm going to go talk to that girl over there because yeah. her arms are wide open. He's going to run. And, yeah. you've, and, and you've got your arms crossed across your chest because you've been hurt. So you need to let go of your past. And that's a whole big piece of work to do to where you can meet life with a clean emotional slate. Like I have a lot of sports in my background. So I'm very familiar with sports psychology and stuff. And all of sports psychology, all it is is meeting the next the next shot or pitch or at bat or play with a clean emotional slate as if the past never happened like i'm here i'm hitting this shot and i'm not thinking about the last one i'm not worried about the last one this is a new shot a new day right so that's what we need to do in our relationship is have a clean slate but most of us don't and so we have that pain and that baggage yeah. that we're bringing with us. And it just poisons, it sabotages our love lives. So that's one. It's like a cancer. Yeah. 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 Another one that's so powerful that's tied to the mind, and I'll share it because you brought it up, is what I call your relationship to love itself. Okay. We all grow up in homes and in environments that we get a message based upon our early childhood as to what does intimacy mean? What, what is a, a love relationship really all about? And very often, the messages we get from our childhood and from people we see around us, you know, perhaps it's siblings, perhaps it's aunts and uncles, and whoever, but we, we get messages that, that aren't necessarily very healthy or true. For instance, you can grow up in a home and you can begin to think that love is about being smothered because in your house, one of your parents was dominated by the other. 
and they were smothered and sort of controlled and they weren't free to be themselves and to, to explore things they might be interested in. There was a real controlling, dominant, submissive aspect, you know, in the house. And you grew up in that and you're like, oh my God, love is about power or love is about control or love is about smothering one person. And right. So it's easy to see that and then go into adulthood. Like, well, that's, that's what intimacy is. And a lot of people who have a fear of intimacy or some sort of phobic, you know, their commitment phobic is because they believe that actually, if I get into a relationship, it's going to cost me. I'm not going to be able to spend my time or my money, or I won't be able to continue my habits and my priorities. If I'm in a relationship, I'm going to lose out on my autonomy. I'm going to have to give up something to be in a relationship. I, I can't pursue my dreams and right. So a relationship, as good as it might be, is going to cost me. Well, then you're going to sabotage that because underneath you don't want to lose your autonomy. But the, the issue is, even though you were raised and you saw that, that doesn't mean that that's the way every relationship is or has to be, right? right? right. So you can rewrite your love story. Now, there's other ones like love is performance. You can grow up in a home and say, well, the only way you get love around here is if you perform and you got to earn it. And right. Kind of like gotta you be were good saying, enough. Yeah. yeah. Right. You gotta, you know, so you can, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, yeah. Or the message that love is like, we, we grow up with love is heaven in the sense of, you know, I need to find a partner because that's when I, they're gonna, it's going to save me. I won't feel lonely anymore. I'm going to feel whole and complete and wanted and worthy. So a relationship means that it's like heaven. It's going to save me. Right. And that's just not true. I mean, relationships, you know, I say in my books that life partners make lousy life sources. (laughs) But very often we really do think that finding the right person in the right relationship is going to fix the the problem we might have of being maybe we feel unlovable or it's going to fill a void or right. it's going to, you know, help us find an identity, you know, um, right. And we, we get these expectations from a relationship that are completely unrealistic yeah. and set us up for drama. Right. So those are, you know, there's just a few. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. A relationship with your inner truth, yeah. you know, your how you communicate. Um, there's a relationship to your, your emotions, yeah. right? How you feel your emotions, how you express them, how you can, how or can you handle other people's emotions? Like if you're not very emotionally intelligent, you're going to have trouble in relationships yeah. because they really are emotionally based relationships and we're human. We have emotions. And this is what I do with a lot of my male clients is no one's ever taught them about emotions. Right. No one's taught them how to feel them, how to express them, how to be present with someone else when they're being emotional. We, we, most men don't have any skills in this area. <laughs> right. right. And, just... right? and so they, they meet a woman who's an emotional creature, maybe even more so than, than they are as men, even though I think most men underestimate their emotional needs. Yeah. But, right? but how many women complain that a, a man just can't handle their emotions they go go talk to your girlfriends i don't want to hear about it right 
and then they they don't feel close they feel disconnected and you know and then the whole relationship falls apart right so these are the kinds of things these are the muscles that you need to get in shape yes before you stand on the starting line and you meet someone right right you got to have a handle on your emotions and a handle on your past and you got to know how to communicate in a way to create connection and not drama right and you need to let go of all those silly love stories that you might have learned from your childhood yes um and when you do that kind of work then then you're 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 able to create something special and what i mean by that is is if the if, if the listener only wants like a mediocre relationship well that's then you can do that easily right but if, if you want something extraordinary right then it does take this kind of work just like if you want to be a great golfer, oh, it takes some work. If you just want to go out and hack it around and, you know, and you don't mind just being do that. mediocre, yeah, do. Yeah. If, you, if you don't mind, you know, sucking at golf, well, fine. <laughs> that doesn't take any work. Anybody can suck yeah. at golf. Yes, exactly. But if you want to be great, you have to do some work. Yeah. Right? So it's the same thing here. If you want a great relationship, you've you got to do some work on yourself. Yeah. Is that what you call the relationship Narnia? You know, I think well, I heard you say that. Yeah, relationship Narnia. I use that illustration in my first book. Mm-hmm. Um, in relationship, when I met my coach and she helped me discover some of these things, is I felt like, you know, in that book, The Chronicles of Narnia, the yes. witch, the wardrobe, or whatever yeah, it is, yeah, you know, yeah. where Lucy goes into this wardrobe, the plain hide and seek, I think, and yeah. she's in the wardrobe and she finds a back door to this right. wonderful, magical place called Narnia, yeah. right? And she's so blown away by it that she's like, wait a minute, I got to go back and tell my friends about what I found. Right. You got to come see it, right? So I use that as like, when I did this work and I was able to create a healthy relationship, I felt like Lucy, like, oh my God, yes. I discovered a place of some magical connection, some some relationship Narnia. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I got to go tell some people, I got, you got to, you got to come see what yeah, I found. Yeah. And that's, that's my invitation sort of to work with me. Yes. It's like, no, I can show you, I can, you can have the same results I've got if you just do the same work that I did. Yeah. It's really not that hard. It just takes somebody willing to look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. So speaking of which, um, you have coaching with Roy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I want you to just tell, uh, before we leave here, your program, you know, like, you know, how does it work? You know, what do you offer? Um, We know the end game, relationship Narnia, right? We know the end game, but like, so how does a person begin? Where, who should they, you know, how do they reach out to you? That kind of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Coachingwithroy.com is my website. And that's where my phone number is right on the homepage. It's my cell phone number. You can just text me and we can talk. I do offer a free no pressure conversation to explore working with me because my coaching program is a four month commitment because we're talking about getting in shape here. Just like you can't go to the gym and do one workout and be ripped. You know, you, (laughs) I wish it takes a number of coaching sessions to kind of get yourself in relationship shape. And I would never ask someone to make a commitment for four months without first talking to me and see if we fit and, to explore what's going on in their life for me to be able to see if I can help you, right? There's some people that I don't feel like it's a good fit because maybe they've got, like my wife is a therapist, right? I mean, she handles things like bipolar and self-mutilation and clinical depression. I don't know how to deal with that stuff, right? Right. 
So I want to find out if I'm able to help a person. So there's a, a 30 to 40 minute free conversation that we can have. Um, so, but the key thing, and this is a, a free gift that I want to offer everybody. And I'm sure you'll either have it in your show notes or they can find it right on the homepage of my website. Right. And, it's, and it's, this is what I think is so fun. So I sort of fashion myself as a relationship trainer, right, with this fitness metaphor. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were going to a gym and hiring a personal trainer to get in shape, the first thing a good trainer would do is run you through a bunch of assessments. Oh, yeah. To see, you know, what's your fitness level now? Where are you strong? Where are you weak? Right. So once they discover where you are, then they can put a program together for you to get you where you want to go. Well, I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do with people is I know where you want to go. You want to go into this beautiful, healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. Okay. Well, we have to start by getting an idea of what kind of relationship fitness level are you in now? Yeah. And once I can discover how fit you are now, where you are strong, where you're weak, then I can put a program together for you and get you where you want to go. Yeah. So I have something on my website that's called the Relationship Fitness Self-Assessment Test. Believe it or not, it's a 30-question true-false test that is going to give you an accurate picture as to your current relationship fitness level. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you, it takes you three to five minutes to take it. You get your results immediately, and everything is strictly confidential. Even I don't see your results. I just get notified that somebody took the test. Mm -hmm. But I don't see it. So only you get your results. And with your results, you also get recommendations. So depending on your fitness level, it's going to say, well, do this and this. So it doesn't just give you like a diagnosis of, okay, here's, here's where you, you stand and then now you're on your own. No, it's like, here's your fitness level. Here's what you need to do to get in better shape. Wow. Okay. So the test will break you down into one of five categories. And I use fitness words to kind of make it fun. Okay. The first category is your rip. Right. That just means you are so good to go. Just like go out there and kill it. Right. right. So you're you're in like perfect relationship shape. OK. And you won't be surprised to recognize that nobody has ever scored perfectly because nobody is perfect. Right. Okay? If, if, even now, I'm I'm not ripped. Right. I still flunk my own test a little bit. <laughs> right. So so there's ripped and then there's something I call skinny fat. Okay. <laughs> that means you look pretty good, but you got some things going on inside that you might need to address. Okay. And then the third level is overweight. Yeah. And then it's, then it's unhealthy. And then the last uh, category, it's the category that I was in and my wife was in before we had done our work. Like I took my own, I wrote the test, but I took the, my own test. I tried to put myself in the mentality that I had before I hired a coach. Right. And my wife did the same thing. She worked with a therapist for a couple of years before we had met. Right. So, I mean, she was doing her work and I was doing my work. Yeah, and then we met that day at that conference and we nice. were both in shape. And now here you are. Mm -hmm. Right. But I took my own test and I came the last category was dangerously out of shape. Okay. <laughs> right. But, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, I was. Look yeah. at my love life. It yeah. was a mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I tell people, don't be surprised if the test tells you that you're not in very good shape. It's okay. Because. If you were in very good shape, you wouldn't be listening to this. 
right? I mean, you'd be enjoying a great relationship and you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And you wouldn't take right? the assessment and, you, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right. So I just tell people, just don't be shocked if it tells you you got some work to do. Right. Right. But once you get those results, then it, then I hope people turn around and call me up and say, Roy, it told me I need to get in better shape. So right. um, can you help me? Can yeah. you be my trainer? And I'm like, of course I can. All right. Let's, you, let's put a plan together. You have Facebook, you have Instagram, and then you have coachingwithroy.com. What's your Facebook and Instagram before we go? Well, I don't have Instagram. Oh, I, okay. I probably should, but I'm not I know, a great I'm hard big at that fan too. of social media, but yeah. yeah, Facebook is just Roy Biancolana. It's at Roy Biancolana. You find me there. Um, uh, I do have Twitter. It's Coaching with Roy, so it's at Coaching with Roy on okay. Twitter. I don't use that too much. Yeah. The place to find me is at CoachingWithRoy.com. Right. That that's where everything is, and my phone number's there, and my email's there, and, yeah. and that's where you get the fitness test too. It's right there on the homepage of my website. All right. Well, thanks so much, Roy, uh, you know, for coming on the show. It's been fantastic. I love your story. And, you know, you just ooze like passion for this. And mm -hmm. I love I it. Am. I yeah. love it. Thank you. Man. It. you Thank know. you for noticing. That. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that. And thanks for having me. And yeah. I can't wait to hear from some of the viewers. I'd love to help. That's right. And viewers or listeners. Or listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Listeners, when you reach out to Roy, don't forget to mention that you heard about him on the Lover's Lounge podcast, just so he knows, you know. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Thanks, right. Roy. And thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut Roy off. All right, Roy. Thanks a lot. Okay. okay. Terrific. Thanks for having me. Okay. No problem. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the Lover's Lounge podcast, where we talk to experts and other guests on topics related to love, relationships, and sex. I am your host, Tina Love, and until next time, peace. And please don't forget, gotta have love.